Hey, this is Chris. Before we get to the show, let me tell you a little bit about Anchor. Anchor is our way of we record podcasts. Fantastic. Let me tell you why. It's easy. It's free. There are creation tools that we can record and edit your podcast right from your phone and your computer. Anchor will distribute your podcast for you. So it can be heard on such um, providers as Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many, many more. You can make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need in a podcast and so much more. Check out Anchor, and you can find it all in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Anchor, it's a fantastic way of creating your first podcast and making it work. All right, welcome. It is a Thursday, February 18th version of the Ohioan. I'm here with Craig and Brandon. How are you guys doing today? Doing well. How are you doing? Good, very good, very good. Um, hey, just a quick programming note. Uh, got, today and tomorrow will be a little bit shorter shows. Uh, got some work things coming up. Brandon's had a long week, too. Um, so, yeah, we will still have shows <clears throat> shorter and just explain what we're doing there um quick promos again and um uh, hiding brandon as i said is check out chase bank uh, <laughs> and check out dropbox and our other sponsors again very simple um you know you get paid uh sign for chase bank um open the account uh, do direct deposit and you're good to go and i'm seeing brandon now and i, I gotta quickly move on it'll be good and then also <laughs> The setting process for the sponsors is, uh, um, hey, Brandon, do you disagree with them or not like them and use them at the same time? So. Yes, definitely, definitely. Um, okay. well, no, I'm, I'm hearing a little feedback on your your mic, uh, Brandon. I think you're good, but yeah, let's keep checking it. But yeah, in the, well, the sponsors have become a very interesting part of the show. I'll put it that way. So, <laughs> lots, lots of good stuff going on, and then also, hey. Lots of content on our website and our podcast, not just the um, time we spend together each day, but we have extra bonus content. And today we released Bob Garver, uh, our movie reviewer. He's talking about Judas and the Messiah, I believe the name is. Very Black Messiah. Okay, Judas is Black Messiah. Uh, Very important distinction there. And interesting. Uh, And Bob is like our Russian judge. Bob doesn't like movies. Oh, he does give high marks to the movie, shall we say. But Bob had lots of really good things to say about Juice and the Black Messiah. So if it's a movie Bob actually likes, probably a good indication it's going to be a good movie out there. So, you know, check out the podcast. And if you can, check out the movie. And it should be good. Um, wanted to start out today, you know, talking about some Ohio stuff. Um, guys, I'm a little disappointed. Uh, I saw an article the other day from Cincinnati Inquirer. And we've documented on this show various times about how the unemployment system is kind of goofed up to say to be blunt and be polite in Ohio. Um, You know, Craig and I had to take some furloughs last year and we talked about how it it was very difficult to apply for unemployment. Uh, It was very difficult to 
get the money in time. If you had a question, the customer service was messed up as well. Now we're hearing that, you know, there's been some allegations of fraud. Governor wine, Lieutenant Governor Houston was talking about, hey, you know, we've had fraudulent claims released in the, in our names too. And there's, there's an article talking about, hey, uh, these are hard to figure out. And uh, Brandon, what do you think about this? I, I mean, they're saying there's no method to check on if your information was compromised in Ohio. I, I'm, why isn't the RIT better in Ohio? This is kind of weird, scary stuff. Well, I mean, um, I'm sounding good out right now, by the way. I don't want to go start lecturing it. It's bad. But, uh... Yeah, it's a, it's a little muffled. It's a little muffled. Okay. Um, well, I would say that... Um, one sec. Let me see if this will help. I apologize for the technical difficulties, as always. Well, well, Brad, let me just, as you get fixed, let's start with Craig, and we'll get back to you as you yeah, kind of pick up your stuff. Craig. Yeah, Craig, what do you think? <clears throat> well, you know, it'd be nice if everything was easy to, you know, track, and everybody could just go online to see if they've been, you know, had a fraudulent claim placed in their name, but... I don't know. I mean, I don't know if this is if this is something that's possible. I mean, you know, it sounds like based on this story that maybe it's something that could be, you know, coming. But I don't know. I, I just feel like you're always going to have fraudulent claims as it is. You're always going to have people trying to beat the system no matter what it is. And in this case, you know, it's unemployment. It's not a huge surprise that we have this much, given the amount of people that are filing now that ne maybe have never filed or you know, maybe just simply haven't filed in years. So it's not a big surprise that we're seeing such widespread, you know, fraud, but hopefully it gets cleaned up and people don't get in trouble or people don't have to, you know, go through the, the motions of, of trying to figure out how to, you know, get away from this without getting in trouble. So, you know, it, it's, it's un unfortunately a part of this situation that we probably should have anticipated with how many people are struggling and how many people are going to be filing for government assistance that, you know, people were going to try to take advantage of that system. And hopefully we can have a way to, you know, track it in the future. Yeah. And, and what is bothersome, I guess, is, you know, we're in a pandemic. You know, there's some job issues. There's families that are hurting right now. Right. And I wish there was a better IT system. And I don't know if you saw this. I think it was about a week or two ago. They asked the wine about it. And apparently there are companies that are donating IT resources, like people to help out the problem, which I guess is a good band-aid. I mean, it's very often DeWine saying, oh, who cares? You know, we're going to be what we are. But I, I guess my concern, and, and probably these companies are helping to save out, but, you know, we have this argument, well, not argument, but we have this discussion at work. A lot of companies have discussion with their communications and IT departments. I just don't think the state's investing enough. Yeah, I, I kind of agree. I mean, I think we've we've seen we've talked a little bit about the unemployment and just not having enough, you know, phone lines open or easier access on how to do this. I think a lot of that is to try to curtail fraud. But then on the flip side of that, you tend to see issues with not having that those resources. And I, I think that's that's one thing that we've probably learned throughout this pandemic is you know, broadband internet and IT services and you know being able to rally around things like this in an electronic or virtual way has, you know, lacked a little, you know, considerably. So maybe this will, uh, you know, at least allow us to realize how much reliant 
how much more reliant we've been on technology and how much more money and, and, and time and you know resources we need to invest in it. Yeah, uh, Brandon, we're pledging a lot of money to broadband, which is good. I'm not anti-broadband. Uh, hopefully, we can pledge some money into hiring some more IT people or, or investing more in the website. You'd think that would make sense. Um, yeah, I would agree. Um, you know, always kind of a, an investment we need to have um, in uh, making sure we have the proper infrastructure to kind of handle um, uh, services. So um, that's all I have to say on that. Yeah, definitely. You would think there'd be some hope and help on the way. And, you, you know, I, I think people need to fight the good fight. Maybe even the media needs to do it. Because, again, I've worked at private companies in the past where they don't invest in technology or they don't invest in communications. And there's problems to be had. Uh, I got to tell you, and, again, we're journalists, so we go to journalism examples because that's who we are. I got disappointed. I, I got to tell you, and, Brandon, you're aware of this probably. Um, I haven't been – um, my former job, um, I was the editor at Galleon, and we edited a couple of her papers. Uh, Brandon, I don't know if you saw this. Did you see the Belleville Star is out of existence? Oh, wow. That's, yeah. That's and, and, you know, hey, Belleville Star is a smaller paper. We understand that. It, it was a weekly up in the Richland County area. Uh, Belleville's a small town near Mansfield. But I bring that up with this to say my frustration at my former company, it, it's true. It's not me just griping. It's, they never spent money on the Belleville Star. I had one employee that was supposed to be the editor, the reporter, and the front desk clerk person. And there was a time when we were trying to find somebody for that, whereas the kind of overseer of a couple papers, I had to work out Belleville and be the overseer of a couple papers, the Belleville reporter, the Belleville editor, and the, the Belleville clerk per person. Now, maybe Belleville Star could not be saved, but nobody invested money into the Belleville Star and you're pretty much were kind of kicking to the curb. Well, sorry, the Belleville Star, the world could go on without the Belleville Star. But we need IT for state, for the state to handle its business. Um, Brandon, you had to step out for a second. I saw Craig, we're in a pandemic. I mean, families are struggling. Families are hurting. So this isn't just like a weekly paper that the world can survive with or without. This is our, this is finance. This is money. This is uh, things that the government is expected to provide. And look, I'm very much in the government assistance. I'm not doubting that. I know certain political parties will say, hey, we need less governmental help. Well, but if we're going to have governmental help, we need a back system to help support that. And what frustrated me is Ohio's like dropping the ball majorly here. It's well, crazy how bad that well, is. Well, you, you touch on a good point here is we have, you know, um, two parties and that they have different views of government assistance. So, um, if you're going to have a party that doesn't believe in government assistance, don't expect them to ha run a, 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 an established government assistance program efficiently, um, you know, at all. I mean, I think that's just that makes no sense. It's it's um, basically you can use the old cliche, you know, the fox guarding guarding the hen house kind of deal. But um, um, it's um, you know, it's it's just funny to me that. For a, for a government, for uh, for officials, for a party that also is very concerned about fraud, um, fraud still happens even when it's like I don't know how you can fraud fraudulent this, this uh, the unemployment system because you and 
uh, Craig and you are had trouble with customer service. You had trouble with um, um, applying to get uh, the money you guys needed when you were furloughed. I don't know how you can you can you can uh, anyone can achieve fraud with this system. That makes no sense to me. Uh, I'm sure there's some nuance and some other details that we missed, but um, um, I think the um, um, bottom line here is like. Uh, every every system we have um, when it comes to helping out people when times of need, simplify the process. Simplify it. If you simplify it enough and um, and find and try to, you know, the word I want to use is neutral, neutral, make it neutral. That fraud won't. There's no incentive to even fraud the system. That that's the, really the goal there. And that kind of goes ties back into our tax code and our uh, other whenever any time where's like a exchange of revenue between. The, citizen and the government yeah and to clarify in the story because i want to make sure we're getting everything out there the state recently spent a million bucks to help onboard five employees to help the issue so the state is doing things about it but i guess i look at is what we need to be willing to spend to make the system work and I, I'm an IT expert. I can't say a million is going to do it or it's got to be five million or a billion. I'm not sure what the price tag is for something like that. But again, if you're having that system, you got to make sure you're spending enough to make it work. If it's a million, great. If it's five million, you may have to. You may have to spend 10 million to fix it because if you don't fix it, it becomes a lot worse. Um, and yeah. I mean, that's kind of where it stands. Uh, hopefully, I mean, at least the state's doing something. I mean, it'd be really outrageous if they didn't do anything. But again, the, let's do some more. Let's keep the ball rolling and everything. But yes, the bottom line is just to, you know, be proactive years years ago. I mean, who would have thought Texas would have had, like, you know, this kind of um, snow emergency down there and their right. electric grids in jeopardy. But, you know, what if someone... 10 years ago or five years ago said, Hey, our electric grid's not going to hand. If we ever get like a freak snow, uh, snow in, um, in our area, we need a, we're not going to be, in, we're going to be in, uh, trouble. I'm sure that person would have been laughed at five or 10 years ago. I mean, cause who would have thought Texas would be in the state state? I mean, I use that as a metaphor to say like, you know, or an analogy of we need to be proactive to thinking about the needs of the future. Um, yeah. and, th and that's like, um, you know, Definitely, the question is, what what kind of um, unemployment system or even IT system for any government service? What should that look like ten years from now, twenty years from now? Those are questions we should always be asking. Yeah, and I'm not even sure if like Republicans are are blocking it. I think it probably comes more of what you're saying, Brandon, of saying we've got to have these funds in place when something happens, like like Texas to say, you know, we need to have a like a weather emergency fund. So when stuff happens that normally doesn't happen, we're equipped, we're ready to handle it. And, and I know if like the wine was here or some state officials did say, well, our budget's tight anyway, you know, in theory, it's a great idea. Well, to make things work, you have to have it properly set up. I mean, look at our finances at home. I mean, yeah, none of us are making tons of money, but we have to have a little bit set aside if, you know, God forbid we, have a horrible accident or can't work or anything. I, and if it's prudent for us as individuals, it's got to be prudent for the state. So I guess to wrap it up, I'm glad the state's doing something, but they need, you know, more needs to be done. I thought this was kind of a fun story. I hate to say fun because 
dangerous animals running around is never a fun thing, but it was kind of interesting. Um, going up to the Canton area, Jackson Township Police, kind of suburb just outside um, Canton, they're investigating reports of an escaped mountain lion. Now, I got to tell you guys, I, I think back to, you know, what happened in, uh, where was it, around the Zanesville area a couple years ago, where a bunch of animals escaped and they had a hard time, you know, finding them and taking care <laughs> of them. Kind of scary stuff. I mean, again, these are reports. I mean, it hasn't been substantiated yet, but still, if there's various calls to the police station, you know, I don't think everyone's calling and there's confusion. Sounds like maybe something's out there. Um, there's no report on exactly where he escaped from. Um, you know, they said uh, there's an owner of the alleged missing animal. So, I mean, there's no zoos up there. So I'm not sure if it's a sanctuary or somebody. Yeah, I'm not sure the exact details. The story, and this is just an initial report. I, hopefully we'll find some more information in the next couple of days. Why are we doing this, Brandon? I mean, why are people having... I, I mean, I, hey, I've, I've got two cats. I've got a dog. I like animals. I like going to see animals. But why, why are people still having mountain lions? I'm sure there's laws against it from the Zanesville thing. But why is this still happening in Ohio? This is kind of crazy. You know, that's always uh, more of the mystery of the human mind or whatever we thing we like to say some people just find um resonate with um with exotic creatures um maybe it's because they're not domesticated and there's some sort of little sense of danger i have no idea i'm not a psychologist on this um it was funny because gq i always recommend they had an amazing story about um the zanesville um um uh zanesville owner of those animals and just kind of really interesting how in-depth they went in about um, kind of like all these interesting little details about his fascination with exotic animals. So, I, you know, I, I think um, I don't have an answer to you on that, why why we, why we people love exotic animals and why they want to own them. But, you know, maybe, but it's definitely something that gets a lot of media attention, whether it's uh, in the Tiger King doc documentary series um, or... We just name it. So um, there's always and there's plenty of cable shows that have followed uh, people who've been who've succumbed to be danger their dangerous pets at home. So true story. When I lived up in Lake County, I, I man, I wish I knew the name of the story, and I'm not even sure if it's still open. Loved having him on the show because it was fascinating. There was this like pet store, and kind of out in the country of Lake County, you had to go you know outside the city and everything. But, like, their first room of the store, it had fish. You know, very innocent animals, animals you could buy your kid, you know, and think a thing of. Each room in the store, it got crazier and crazier. Like, the second room was, like, dogs and cats, which, you know, nothing wrong with it. A little bit more time and everything. The last room of the store, it was, like, seventh row back, or seventh room back, had an alligator. Now, he was restrained, but they had alligator in the store. And it was kind of the thing. I mean, if you knew me back then, you came up to visit. We were always like, man, you got to see this crazy pet store. And it entertained our guests. They're like, whoa, this is kind of crazy stuff. Uh, Craig, you're a little bit more in the rural area with Fremont. 
Do you get these issues a lot in Fremont? I mean, Jackson Township's kind of populous, but you hear about this more in not the city-city areas. Uh, what do you see in Fremont with this? Well, so, you know, we have not had any kind of wild animal escapes, although we do have our uh, Sandusky County Emergency Management Agency will be on call when maybe a circus comes into town and, and extra precautions are taken because of animals being held at fairgrounds and things like that, and also being aware that they're being held there. Uh, but I've actually heard some interesting things over the years, and even locally from our area, that sometimes people have exotic pets as protection, oh, okay. um, especially if you're in the uh, the drug trade. Uh, oh. There are there are people. Now, I think when you hear that, you probably picture it differently than what it really is, which you kind of picture some person sitting on a throne petting a tiger. It's not maybe necessarily like that, but people do have like exotic animals that they use as defense, you know, against intruders or whatever it may be. And I'm actually kind of reminded of a Law & Order SVU episode in which they... Uh, we're talking about animal trafficking, uh, exotic animal trafficking, and uh, sort of drug deals gone wrong. And they used a hyena to kill a guy because hyenas are able to bite through bones and stuff like that and, and basically, wow. you know, devour you um, and, and, and get rid of all the evidence. So I, I have heard that, and I've even heard that as, as small as a Sandusky County is, which is about 60,000 people. I have heard that, you know, people are aware in the county that have exotic pets. And in some cases, they may be used as uh, defenders of their territory, so to speak. What What have you heard about, like, what type of exotic pets? Like, I you're saying really it's probably not a tiger, but... No, I mean, I haven't really heard of specific animals, but um, there are, like, smaller kind of predatory animals. Maybe something, hmm. not necessarily like a lion or a tiger, obviously, but... Um, you know, there there have been some, you know, they have, I mean, they, our Sadusky County commissioners have gone to meetings that, this is pre-COVID, they have gone to meetings where they've discussed like, hey, we're aware of these uh, strange exotic animals, you know, that are maybe in, in our area that are pets or whatever you want to call them. Um, and that's part of the reason why, you know, they, they get briefed on why people have exotic pets. And that's one of them. Some of them are for just financial <clears throat> so they can breed and then sell the the cubs or whatever it may be. And then sometimes it's uh, just a way to kind of reconnect with nature and have a strange animal that, you know, no one really sees. I remember going to a County fair and seeing um, probably a more domesticated monkey, but I saw a person walking around with a monkey with diapers on just kind of enjoying the fair food. So, you know, oh, it, you okay. just never know what you're going to find sometimes. And I, I talked to the person, I didn't do a story, which I probably should have. But <clears throat> I was so shocked to see a monkey at the fair. I was like, Oh, you know, tell me a little about a little bit about the monkey, but it was really interesting. So that's, I guess that's kind of it. There's multiple reasons for having it, but you'd be surprised about some people in the drug trade or human trafficking trade that uh, maybe use exotic animals or snakes or alligators for defense. And that's another reason. We talked about this a couple of weeks ago. Don't go to a house unannounced. Don't just <laughs> knock on doors if you're selling stuff or if you're trying to be a good neighbor. I mean, you never know. They might have that hyena that's going to strip your bones. Man, that does not sound like a fun way of dying, Brandon. No. I, mean, I don't want to die at all, but man. The snake comment reminds me of how many times have you gone to an event and there's always a guy at the back of a truck with a snake or a python and everyone yeah. gets a pet. 
probably we've all yeah, Craig Lowry, because you've probably seen it, right, Craig? You've you've come across that. I actually had a friend who was I mean, I, I don't know if I'd call him a reptile lover, but he certainly he had snakes, he had alligators, he had flying monkeys. And, you know, he would go to these like conventions where now, granted, you're not you're not going to a convention and seeing like tigers and lions on sale. But certainly, you know, you're not seeing a bunch of dogs and cats. And he would go to these conventions and get snakes or get alligators. And you can apparently when you get alligators, you can kind of feed them into the size you want them to be. So you don't have to like, you know, we always think of alligators as being these big animals, but you can sort of control their body size based on how much you feed them. So you can have them indoors essentially is what he had told me. So this is years ago and he doesn't have that anymore. But, you know, I remember going to his apartment one time in Columbus and it was filled with alligators and snakes and he had the flying monkeys around as well. So it was an interesting time. What was the smell like? It was fine. You know, I mean, you, you know, I, he kept it pretty clean and wow. You know, yeah. I mean, everything was was nice and organized and neat. You know, he wasn't like, you know, disorganized with anything. But he certainly had a lot of a lot of animals that are not traditional house pets. Wow, very interesting. I man, if we ever get one of these people on the show, like if you stumble across somebody and you're reporting, I know it's kind of a different time with being COVID, but it'll be interesting. Yeah. Um, I am getting a list together. It's interesting that you bring this up. Um, yeah, let me let me look this up as we get to our next topic because we actually have a comedian coming on our extra interview segments next week that he has animals, like kind of strange animals he wanted to talk about. So I, I got to research that more. We'll talk about it next week. It's going to be interesting. I, I'm not sure. It could be the best segment or it could be the worst. Segment. We'll figure it out. Um, two other things to wrap up real quick, and I might lose you guys on this. Have you ever heard of a singer, Carmen? No. Okay. I was in the the mystical world of contemporary Christian music as a kid, and it, it was interesting. Uh, you know, Some of the artists were very good. Like They would have music that you could probably compare to you know, mainstream artists. Some were very strange. Carmen kind of uh, fit that role for me. Um, Carmen was a Las Vegas lounge singer. If you think about Las Vegas lounge singer, if you go to Las Vegas show, they'll sing everything. You know, they'll sing a song that's country. They'll do a rap song. They'll sing a song heavy metal. They they, they do different styles. Well, Carmen became a Christian as a young guy, and he said, "I'm going to become a Christian singer." So he his career was filled with albums that he would have a country song, a rock song, a rap song, very eclectic, very, very different type of music. Um, And so I listened to him a lot as a kid. It was very weird to recommend it to friends that weren't Christian because very strange music. Um, If you guys get a chance, look at Carmen on YouTube. His songs are very out there. There are a lot of spoken word. There are a lot of different weird stuff. Um, well, he died uh, yesterday. Uh, he was 65. And lots of interesting things on Twitter about him from uh, people who are definitely into the contemporary Christian music scene. But very eccentric guy. Um, I used to interview a lot of Christian music people. I used to cover a lot of Christian music early in my career. And every time I bring up Carmen, there was just a a laughter. <laughs> like They couldn't even say what it was about. You know, They were like, hee, hee, hee. Uh, so he's just a very odd, strange man, and 
we never had Carmen on the show. We've had some other Christian artists. We had um, Mark Stewart from Audio Drone on here once and Stephen Chris Chapman. Uh, they were very accomplished musically. Carmen was different. He did it differently, but he did well. So safe home, Carmen, uh, 65. And I don't think there's a lot you could say about him. He, he was a little bit more eccentric, but, you know, he, he was who he was. I can't say the same thing about the other celebrity that passed yesterday. I uh, got word about Rush Limbaugh dying. Rush was 70. Uh, Rush was a titan in the conservative talk show movement. And uh, Rush made a lot of mistakes. Um, I compare a little bit to the death of Don Imus. We talked about this a couple months ago. Uh, to Don Imus's credit, Don Imus made a lot of unfortunate remarks. At least he tried to correct them. At least he tried to do better. And at least he kind of learned from it. I can't say the same about Rush Limbaugh. I mean, Rush to the to his death was very controversial. And yeah, if you're a conservative, you're celebrating his death. But I mean, you're celebrating his life and you're upset that he died. But, you know, for a lot of other people, I don't know if you guys remember, he was on ESPN. He made fun of Dominic McNabb because he was a black quarterback, uh, mocked uh, Michael J. Fox's disability. A lot of crazy overlying stuff. Um Brandon, any thoughts on his death? I mean, we hate to celebrate the fact that someone died, but I, I don't think we need to have a 10-minute tribute to the guy either. Yeah, I have nothing really to add. Um, you know, he'll be celebrated by some, and, you know, um, you know, many, many, many people might not have shared those thoughts. So, like, some will, I, I think one way, as you say, some will celebrate his life, some will celebrate his death. I think that's Speaks enough about Rush, and I, I don't really. I know a lot of people in my circles love love him. Uh, I know a lot of uh, people who say it was toxic. So, um, divisive figure for sure. Well, and, and hey, if, if you're deep conservative, deeper white, well, hey, that's your beliefs, whatever. Uh, Craig, I just didn't like the fact where it got into ripping people, and yeah, shock jocks do that. But, you know, he, he never seemed to learn from it. Yeah, I mean, he was a polarizing figure. And like Brandon said, some people will celebrate uh, both sides of the fence here. And, you know, I'm never going to wish anybody death, uh, especially, um, you know, from cancer. Uh, I really don't have much to say about it. I really didn't listen to Rush Limbaugh all that much. Um, maybe heard him a handful of times, to be blunt. Um, you know, I never really got into the shock jock radio kind of stuff, uh, especially, you know, national type of, you know, stuff like that. So I could probably count on one hand how many times I've really listened to Rush Limbaugh uh, at all. And that's, you know, just even for a few minutes. So obviously he was a, a, a really, you know, key cog to the, you know, the conservatism, especially on the radio. Um, so I know a lot of people uh, certainly are, you know, feeling a, you know, a lot of tragedy with that loss. But uh, you know, like you said, there was a lot of things that he said that just simply were not right, and you know, he never tried to back up and apologize or you know make amends for some of the things that he said. And you know, for that, it's it is what it is, I guess you could say. And there's a lot to mock people of, and we mock you know people on this show too. But it's one thing to mock somebody for their belief or something goofy they did. It's an it's another thing to mock people just based on how they look. And and when I say belief, not like their religious beliefs, more of, you know, maybe something crazy they said in the media or, or something. But, you know, when Rush is mocking people for their disabilities, when Rush is mocking people for the color of their skin, that's, 
way over the line. And I would give him credit if I ever heard a sincere apology. I never did. So it is what it is. All right, well, that's it for the show today. A little bit shorter today. Again, some work stuff is happening, which, hey, it's life, which is good. We will be back tomorrow, and we're actually recording this today, but we'll be back tomorrow with a fun show where we talk about which Ohioans should be on the Ohio Rush, Mount Rushmore, if there was one. So we'll be back tomorrow. Check out our sponsors. Share us online. I am very excited. Uh, I need to talk to these guys offline for a minute about this. Lots of great things about people listening to the podcast, people sharing it online. Really excited to see that. Thank you for digging the show. Thank you for sharing it. Keep doing that. Uh, subscribe to us online and just support us. We appreciate all the support, and we're excited to be doing this. So we'll see you back tomorrow. Have a great day. Bye-bye.